Welcome back, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Episode 12 of the Dirtbag Dugout Podcast. Right? <laughs> Vibes, the mood. All right. So, a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. Um, I guess I just got to get this off my chest so I can go through the rest of the episode on a brighter note. I got to get off my chest. The fact that the freaking Dodgers still have me tight, still have me salty from losing the damn series against the Royals over 4th of July. Bro, what the hell? Like, let me just, let me back out. Because I know I didn't really see the first game. Let me see the first game. But that second game, like, all right, four to six, fine, whatever. You want to lose, I get it, whatever. The fact that you want to lose the third game in the entire series nine to one. What the fuck, man? So you go nine to three. Oh no. No. Yeah. They did lose the series two to three or two out of three, nine to three. All right. Everybody expects that you're basically facing the second worst team. Then you lose six to four. Fine. Okay. Rubber match. Every dog has his day, but then you get your ass blown the fuck out nine to one. I was so damn tight. They almost wanted to lose. I mean, they could basically, they're in a rubber match right now with the Pirates. I mean, they're up 2-1 on the series, but four-game stretch, you basically, I mean, God, what the hell, man? It's like, okay, kind of, I'll bring it right back, but my point, kind of leaning right back into what, what is this team doing? Much like the Cardinals, the Mets, all these other teams, like this is not the time. I get it. We're leaning into the second half. All-star break is about to happen. But the fact that you're losing a series, fine, you can lose a game. But the fact that you're losing a freaking series to the second worst team, arguably even maybe even the worst team. I know we were saying before that the A's were kind of running away with it. But the fact that the Royals quickly are nipping at their heels what the hell, man? Either way. All right. So, so that's that's saving, my that's my rant. Sorry. The saving grace. All right, right. Because maybe he has a silver lining. It, Los Angeles is one and a half games back um off of the Diamondbacks. Um there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you're especially, you know, a fan of Dodger Nation, but Dodgers nation across the board should be excited about the fact that we're going into the all-star break in, well, not the position we anticipated, wanted, would have liked. We're going into the break in a position to, what's the phrase of the season? Compete. You know, because that you know, at least you're not out of it. And yeah, it it does. It's one of those like head scratchers. Like, how did we lose a series to a fucking Royals? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I will give all props due. They went out. They won the games. It's more just 
it's more just anger at the Dodgers because this has been a long, a long first half, basically. I mean, obviously you're still positive. Yeah, you, you still can be optimistic. The West still is very open. It's not like you're seven, eight, twelve games back like some other some other teams in their, you know, in other divisions, but uh like we said, what a handful of episodes ago, back when we kind of figured that Arizona was gonna be that third place team, they're still gonna snipe. Even even from that first place position, as long as they can maintain and snipe those one, two wins of the series, take whole series, maybe even sweep. I mean, they're gonna be comfortable either way. I mean, they're not how would I say they're not they're not expecting to all of a sudden be this 120 win team. Like eventually I would like to think that it all all come back to some sort of head. But until then, they're going to ride the wave. So, again, if they can snipe one or two, they'll take it. It's more kind of like in the vein of, of how we are talking about the Mets needing to win the games. Like, it's obviously going to be the Braves' division to lose. The Braves are sitting pretty. If they lose a series or two, that's fine. They're still almost a dozen games above. Like, they're not sweating. It's going to be more on those second, third-place teams to have to put in that extra work. So, yes, be optimistic, but don't don't be lackadaisical in that optimism. Well, while we've got Atlanta in the mouth, on the mind, let's address the fact that they have six hitters with 15 home runs. It's a dangerous lineup, man. The rest of the majors, the best they can muster is three. Three, six. So when you are producing... That when you're giving that much run support to your bullpen, knowing that guys are going to shellac day in, day out, it does, you know, like there's no dampening the Atlanta mood with their bats. No, because even if you figure out one or two guys, you still have a handful more ready to just pick up. And God forbid you have the entire lineup, or at least two thirds of the lineup pouring it on i mean let me let me check that score the other day they ran up uh didn't they run up 15 on somebody like two or three days ago ran it up on somebody let me make sure because they're playing the rays right now which i would like to think this series while we're on that on the Braves specifically like you said um i'm sorry it was 16 on the marlins 16 to 4 on the on last friday but while they're currently Playing the Rays, I know I kind of hinted at it uh, if it was in last episode, the episode before. Could this be the possible World Series preview that, you know, the network loves to tout with certain teams when they face each other with two of the hottest teams or the two hottest teams in baseball right now? I mean, the top two winning percentage, both teams, uh, what are they at? Uh, 60 a pop, I believe. Are they at 60? Both? Let me. I have the statement make sure. by before I. Oh no, Rays are fifty-seven, Braves are fifty-eight, fifty-eight and twenty-eight, and then fifty-seven, thirty-two. Okay, but basically the two teams knocking on the door of sixty. Obviously, whoever wins this series will be will be at that threshold. But you know, is this the matchup, the kind of preview that that you know we might see at the end of October? That's a very fair question just because both of these teams have respectively dominated 
very strong divisions, right? The AL East, one of the most dangerous divisions to be a part of because of how competitive you have to be. Every club is, everybody is above 500. Like, the fuck? So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then you have the NL East, right? The Braves, the, the, the closest person to them is eight games back. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's very fair to surmise that we're getting a, a potential uh, peak at what a postseason matchup could be. When it when it's all said and done, the last two guys standing are very likely going to be the Rays and the Braves. That, those are my favorites. I'll just throw that out there. I know it's still first half, but those guys are basically my favorites. I mean – the way that they've they've gone, it's not like how we said, I mean, even though the Rangers are definitely a good favorite as well, but like, you know, certain teams kind of came and came and went. Obviously, the, looking at the Pirates, like they kind of fell back down to earth. The Braves and the Rays, yeah, the Braves and the Rays specifically have just con- continued since day one. And I find it very hard to believe that they're just going to suddenly fall off a cliff. Like, much like you said, the fact that the next team up, the Marlins, even though they're doing well for themselves this first half, are still almost double digits back. It's 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 uh it's hard for me not not to want that ma- or at least kind of predict that matchup. I mean, still second half is coming up, lot to uh lot to look forward to, but I mean no that's, I mean, that's just where I say you know when it does come time for uh, October ball to be played, the, you know, the Rangers or the Orioles aren't going to have something to say, or, uh, you know, maybe the Brewers or the Reds, if they're still in the position they're in, you know, there are a lot of people who might have uh, something to say about this world series matchup already being done and dusted. And don't get me wrong. People are trying to uh, pigeonhole, this matchup is being like, all right, that's it. We're, like, we're going to see these two teams again, and we might. We very well may. But there are a lot of teams that might have something to say about it. Yeah, it only takes four games. It only takes four wins to totally upset the balance. So, absolutely. Um, that's just how I, how I see it. But, again, second half can completely change the landscape. Wild card is there for a reason. Obviously, we st- we have multiple wild cards this year, so all it takes is one series to completely. I mean, you kind of look at the Phillies last year, where that second half just totally changed the trajectory, totally blew everybody out of the water. Wouldn't I mean this at this point last year? Would not have said that the Phillies would have been in that position. So I mean, yep, again, anything can happen. That's uh just kind of my way too early prediction that I'm at least given for the second half. Um, so while we're kind of on the all-star break as well, kind of leading into this first half, I do have uh, the players that we're going to see for the home run derby. And I'd like to get your take on who you think would ultimately walk away as the champ. So we have uh, Lewis Robert Jr. Against, so this is, you know, first to eight. And we have Adley Rushman at number eight in that first round, that first matchup. We have Pete Alonso coming in at number two against Julio Rodriguez at number seven. Uh, I'm not sure the Texas player, uh, Garcia against uh, 
Randy Rosarena, so four and five. And then Mookie Betts at number three against Vlad, Vladdy Jr. at number six. So I think these are pretty good, pretty good matchups. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I'm still going to have to lean either Vladdy or, or Pete Alonzo for, I just don't know between the two. I don't know if, uh, who won last year? Was it, was it Pete Alonzo who ended up walking away? I or was that, no, wasn't the, that uh, Juan Soto? Um... But either way, I'm I'm saying that those are probably my my two picks. It's either Pete Alonso or or Vladdy walking away with it. Now, I will say Julio Rodriguez is repping home field, so I don't think he'll go down easily. But uh, the fact that uh, T-Mobile will be seeing these uh, colossuses of clout, you know, sultans of SWAT, in uh, in certain terms. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like. Those will two, those, uh, those two, will be my uh, my favorites. I mean, that, I think that's probably the most that I that I'll be looking for as far as like who's moving forward, who's gonna who's gonna do the most damage. From the field, you know, there are a couple of names missing. Uh, you know, Judge Soto, uh, Soto won it last year. Um, mm. So I don't, you know. I, with with the guys competing in this year's, it's this derby is I think Alonzo's to lose, in the respect that everyone's favoring him. He's the blue chip right now, but I think Vladimir Jr. could very uh, commandingly find a way to just shellack away come derby night, you know, and that'd be very exciting to see. The home run derby, I love a hitter showcase because you get to see a guy like this is how you hit line drive. Line drives turn into home runs. You gotta learn mm. line drive first. And that's all these guys do is swing consistency. It is magnificence. It is poetry. It is art. I love it. You're right. You're right. Uh, so while we're kind of moving into that second half, um, I guess I don't, hmm, because there's kind of a way I, I want to angle this question to you, but I feel like we already kind of answered it, but I guess I'll, I'll just kind of double, double back on it. Who do you think, which team do you think would, would be the most surprising in the second half? You know, that's I think that's a good question because all star breaks have a very funny way of making or breaking a contender season, right? Like something happens and they either recharge the batteries, uh, reinstall the chemistry, and they come out playing. Like the, I think mentioning the Phillies last year is a fantastic example of a team that I didn't think was going to make the postseason at all. I thought they would be done by September, you know? Yeah. After the the All-Star break, they came alive. So I could see it happening to the Yankees, but that's not the most surprising. I think the most surprising would be if 
you know, the Tigers or, uh, you know, the Guardians. Um, those are a couple of clubs, you know, and honestly, I wouldn't mind my Cubs uh, benefiting from a little bit of all-star break rejuvenation. Uh, but even the Padres, uh, I know they're a club that uh, I, I watched a little bit of, you know, them playing uh, over the fourth holiday. And, you know, they're looking like a clubhouse that wants to get back in it. Yeah, especially the series against the Angels I just saw. Uh, they definitely looked a little more a little more disciplined. Definitely took, uh, I don't know if it was that first or second game, it took about five, almost six innings before before the Padres finally scored, but it was a it was a battle. It looked like much like you were saying, the fact that they're they're not just rolling over, even though they're sitting, you know, at fourth, they're still trying to find ways to win, finding ways to get back in the mix of things. So I'd probably say that. Um another team I would I would say, even though they're technically in first, I would like to see the Reds kind of move forward, kind of continue to push, push the needle. I mean at least make it competitive. Even if you're not finishing in first, you're still on somewhat of a positive trajectory, even if this isn't your year. Uh much how I said the other day, you know, even if you your goal is that wild card spot, even if that is a lofty, you know, quote, lofty goal for you where you're currently sitting, you know, at least it's somewhere, it's somewhat in a positive direction. And that can lead you to some greater aspirations, you know, for next year. So I'm looking for them to kind of keep their foot on the gas. Obviously, we still have a whole long second half, but uh, that would probably be the, the one team. Um. Also, I do have a side note. I uh, saw that Ellie De La Cruz, our favorite newcomer, was invited to participate in the Home Run Derby, but he declined. Uh, he was quoted as saying, I'd rather focus on the season and make sure I'm able to contribute to this team and help this team win. Now, love that attitude. I love that that mindset. Like, yes, enjoy the festivities. I, would, I wouldn't be mad if you did participate, but I love where your head's at as far as the long term. So that's mainly another reason why I'm kind of leaning more on the Reds. Like I want to see that fire as far as more play on the field for the second half, as opposed to just one game or one event. That kind of mentality right there, that's rookie of the year type thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, thank you very much for the invitation, but right now I've got to keep my nose right to the grindstone. That is, I think that's a large part of why he's been so infectious to the Reds is the work ethic that he's reinvigorating that club with. The fact that I could go participate. I don't know how well I would do my very first year in the home run derby, but they want, you know, like, and, and those are all nice things. But the fact that he goes, I need to focus on what this clubhouse needs to get done prioritizing the team over himself. Woo! You know, that, that, well, we said that. Midnight, man, let's go. Six to midnight, yes, sir. <laughs> no, like, I love exactly how you said that, the prioritizing. Like, nobody would have faulted him. Like, hey, you obviously deserve this. You're, you're putting the league on notice. You know, you're electrifying the game, injecting new life, not only into your team itself, but the league overall. But the fact that you're like, no, I'm going to stay 
locked in. Like you said, no to the grindstone. Hey, I can always go back next year or however many years I have in this league. The fact that I'm in a position with this team to do something, the fact that we're currently in first place, we cannot rest on our laurels. Like this, this break should be rejuvenating and should allow us all that extra time to come back even more harder in the second half, swinging, you know, straight for the fences, full force. So absolutely, I love that attitude from him. And maybe that's kind of what makes the all-star break a little perilous for a team like the Reds, right? Because they are relying right now on momentum. And momentum is one of those fickle fucking things where as soon as you, you know, like there's a gap, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, stay in stride with that. So yeah. it's almost a concern that maybe this all-star break is going to be the thing that stumbles them and prevents them from September ball. That's the worst case scenario, I think. You know, you know, who could be looking forward to this break? I'm talking about the Angels. God, bro. So much like how I just mentioned the, the series against the Padres, the fact that you had Mike Trout heading on the IL for at least 10 days. Uh, I believe it was a was a left hammock. Hamat. So basically it's wrist, wrist fracture. Uh, I believe it was Jose Obreu that suffered the same thing last year. And I think the time frame is usually about four to 10 weeks or something like that or something like that. But he, he himself managed to come back after a month, like an exact month. So it is possible that Mike Trout could come back at the end of August or at the end of this month. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. The beginning of August, the end of this month. However, that's, that's just one part. You also had Shohei Otani with his, I believe it was a hit a blister on his finger. So obviously he's not going to be pitching in the all-star game either. I believe he, he is still batting though currently in the lineup. I guess he's just waiting for, you know, that to Hill. And then you also had Anthony Rendon. I don't know what he underwent, but bro, like, so that, that's just this series. I want to go back to that other series against the Rockies where they put up 25 runs in a single game, 25 to one, right? Obviously setting, I believe it was a franchise record. Yeah, franchise record for most runs in a game, obviously. But yet you still lose the series. You outscored them. Let me see this note. Over that week, and they outscored them 32 to 12 and scored more runs in the third inning than the Rockies did all that whole weekend, that, you know, the third inning of that Saturday game, and still managed to lose the two out of three games. Like, bro, this is the most angel angels thing. Like, I don't – if anybody needs the break, if anybody needs it, it's, it's the angels right now because, bro, I, I don't get it. That Padres-Angels series over the fourth holiday, right – this is where you get to see the fragility of pitchers in the fact that Shohei had a fractured nail or like a hangnail or a, like a small blister and mm-hmm. his grip is gone. He's done. He can't throw anymore. But thankfully, yeah. he can still try and generate some offensive production that your organization so desperately needs. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's a good thing that Shohei is a two-way guy because, honestly, it, and, yeah, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you're screwed. <laughs> it's a hearty, hard, hard moment for pitchers, but, like, a hangnail? You're you're on the five day for the for a, for like a hang you know like my God come on you know yeah but again you know those guys have manicured it for years that you know like it's all got to be you know like they're so neurotically routine and there's nothing wrong with you know like pitchers got to eat so you know that's one way to do it but man up <laughs> but I guess that's not very fair um, but going back to uh, Ellie De La Cruz before we get too far away from it. Yesterday, last night, in the last game of the series, the Nats asked for a bat check. A, a posterity bat check, right? Yeah. He passes the bat check, and then he he absolutely moonshots the ball. The very, the very next pitch was a moonshot after the bat check. If that isn't just a punctuation and a fuck you to the Nats, for thinking that I've got a corked bat. Oh, yeah, didn't he have to take off the knob and all that? He did. He did. Every, they did everything under the sun. Like, bro, this dude's one of the hottest hitters right now. Like you said, definite favorite for rookie of the year. In let's be honest, like you're trying to do some bush league stuff to try and play some mental games. Which I, I mean, to be fair, devil's advocate. I get it. Any little thing you can do. Any little little fuck you to the to the hitter. Okay, I get it, but don't be mad if, like you said, next the next pitch he sends that crap out of the park, like, and then uh, your uh, your skipper over in Washington didn't take too kindly to his antics after he had something to say about. I believe he did. Was it a bat flip too as well, or was it just generally his uh, his reaction? I didn't see punctuated it, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, surprising to me if old Davy Martinez is trying to make a stink about uh, a guy who and don't get me wrong, like I think that you're a hundred percent right in the respect that Martinez was trying to get inside De La Cruz's head. He was like, "Look, he is on fire right now. I need to slow him down. So let's ask for a bat check. Let's fuck with like let's fuck with him a little bit. Test his metal." Mm-hmm. And he clearly passed the test with flying, yeah, clearly five feet, fucking smash. It's like, yeah, that's a souvenir. It's like, yeah, you want to check the ball because you're gonna have to grab it from out the stands. Like, my goodness, that's that's what I mean. This dude is is exactly what the game needs right now. Can't fault. I can't fault David Martinez for trying what he needed to try. And he was right in a way. He's like, hey, this dude's only been here for like two minutes. Like, so I get it. You're the seasoned dude. Obviously, you're trying to run your team. You're trying to get the wins you can. But again, if it backfires on you, like you can't be mad at that either. Like, you gotta you you're seasoned you're seasoned enough to know if stuff backfires on you, you just gotta take that lump. You gotta take it on the chin sometimes. So where else do you want to go with this? Cause I got uh, I got random stuff. You know what? Let's the annual. I forgot to mention that the first of the first couple minutes of this podcast, we just passed another holiday. I'm talking about Bobby Bonilla Day. 
1.1 and some change million from the freaking Mets. Another fat L for the Mets. Again. Again. Uh, isn't he... Is, is he slated through 35 or is it 25? I know there's a five at the end. I just can't remember how long, but they're still in the hook for a while. Tony, I was just about to ask you the same thing because every July 1st, Bobby Bonilla Day, where the Mets just have to keep paying out the nose, brilliantly negotiated deal, by the way, when we talk about mm-hmm. third money and a long-term set, you know, Bobby doesn't have to fucking do a damn thing. He's got a million dollars coming to him this year. Yeah, you just chill, invest maybe half of it, live off the other half, whatever, and you set. I I have a feeling that it's twenty thirty five. I want I gotta look it up. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling it's like some ridiculous. They stole her on the hook for like. Let me see. I'm gonna put you down for a second. Yeah, because I know as well that the. It is 35. I was going to say, I have a feeling it's still for a handful more years. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, another team that's on the hook for another fight. I know we had mentioned before about deferred money. Uh, I guess kind of leans into this payroll deal. Ken Griffey Jr. Fourth, fourth highest paid player on their payroll this year. 3.6 million. So we have Joey Votto, 25. Yeah, Joey Votto, 25. Uh, Mike Moustakis at 18 mil, which obviously they DFA'd. Will Myers DFA'd uh, 6 million. Ken Griffey Jr., 3.6. And he's been retired for 13 years now, getting mad money. So you're in the top five, and you haven't you haven't seen a live ball in almost 15 years. Like, <laughs> so just the same. I know there's a handful. I know Manny. Yeah, Manny Ramirez is also deferred. I know for sure, obviously, Ken Griffey, Bobby Manila. I know we had said this, uh, I want to say it was last season. I know we didn't this year, but I know we had gone over. There's like, there's literally like five, six, or seven players that have deferred money. And it's smart, like you said. It is smart to, hey, like that, especially Ken Griffey. That's three and a half million. That's not even mentioning your endorsements, obviously him with the network or any other, any other dealing, just pure getting that check every year whatever date man easy money i'll take that any day of the year everybody wants these mike trout type deals until you think about a bobby bonilla type deal and that's yep, you get- we like we still have 12 years of bobby bonilla day yeah yeah yep 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 like I don't care if it is a million. The fact that, or 1.1, 1.2, whatever, the fact that he's still going to be on the books for another decade, guaranteed, that's an extra million, 1.2, 1.5, whatever, that you could place towards somebody else. International signing. uh, You could pay towards your prospects or whatever. I mean, that's, that's extra money out of your pocket. I don't care if you have a billionaire owner right now. That's still money that could be placed somewhere else. And it's just getting, I don't want to say wasted, because I'm sure Bobby doesn't feel that way. He's welcoming that check every year. But the fact that you know it's before you even start doing the payroll for the following year, before 24 comes up and you start thinking, nope, that's already gone. One, let's just already put off 1.2 to the side because 
that's already gone. Don't even, it doesn't even exist. Like, <laughs> wild. Glad you brought up Bobby Bonilla Day. I'm like, wait a minute. I know there's something important I'm forgetting. It's annual. <laughs> so what, what else you got for me as we're kind of wrapping up here? Oh, I mean, the handful of teams that are in 50 losses, Nationals, yeah. Rockies, uh, you know, and then you've got the Royals and the A's, 60-plus losses. Just the the for the bad baseball, for the bad baseball being played, it's getting worse. And that's something that I didn't prepare myself for as a fan before the All-Star break. Like, don't get me wrong, like, things have been pretty dire for some of these clubhouses. Kind of starting in the middle of June, you know, panic, you know, panic alarms were going off. And then they realized, all right, the house is on fire. Everything's just going to yeah. And it's, I don't know. I would like to see less bad baseball and positional tanking for picks because like look it, it's no fun the A's, and, the A's and the Royals it's not fun no do you think a, ro a more robust like lottery system would uh would improve that I mean but at the same time I mean you look kind of over at the NHL everybody was expecting who was it? The Ducks or oh, who's the third team? It was like the Blue Jackets or somebody. One of the two is like they were supposed to be one or two. And then obviously the Blackhawks ended up take, getting the number one overall. But it was something like that where they both had like 12, 13%. I think the Hawks had like less than 10 or something. And it just totally, just totally flipped. I mean, do you think... I mean, a lottery system in general, yes, but you think something more robust that would, uh, how do I want to say it? Like, combine the two, like, obviously, the worst team would probably have the higher percentage chance, but you don't, I mean, that's still a percent. Like, how do you want to guarantee that without guaranteeing the worst? Like, it, you know what I mean? I would like to find a way to incentivize the lottery system so that people, so that uh, clubhouses are not uh, rewarded for tanking. Uh, you you should not be rewarded, compensated, incentivized in any sort of fashion to tank and lose for positional. You know, but don't get me wrong; they also have to have a high uh, percentage in the lottery, so they get talent to stop being fucking shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That has to be some sort of combination because you can't just like, oh, 20 games and you know what? We're just going to give up. Like, bro, then why did you even? You might as well just get demoted then because the guarantee is going to be some other AAA, high AAA club that would much rather take your place in payroll if it means they, they just have to show up and, you know, if they're going to have roughly the same record, like, well, hell, we'll, we'll at least try. At least. Save the organization a buttload of money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, I'm not even asking for 30 million. You want to slide me three mil? 
okay. Like that means I don't have to eat PB and J's and have to travel on the bus. I get to fly first class on the, on the team jet. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Three mil easy, easy money. Sure. Sign me up. Like, so I think, hey, yeah, there has to be some sort of, there has to be some sort of, uh, I, I like how you said it best, just incentivizing without over incentivizing tanking. So I think that's going to have to be something that uh, the league execs, teams themselves, the owners, everybody's going to have to come in the room and figure that out. Uh, I'm actually surprised. I mean, I know it's not necessarily part of CBA. That's more just actual pay and, and certain things. But I'm surprised that that wasn't something that was brought up uh, at an earlier point. But uh, I'm hoping that over the next handful of years, hopefully sooner, I mean, more within the next two or three years, we can start to see some progress because, yeah, it's it's rough when you have 60-win team and then 60-loss team, even within the same division. You know, it's kind of – there has to be a little bit more competition. I feel like there has been there has been this year, but you can't have two teams knocking on the door at 70, probably going to be at 80 losses by the end of the – by the end of July. Like, you just can't. That's That's ridiculous. That's such a good point in the respect that the Rangers are nine games away from 60. The A's have already lost 60 plus. Like just the the disparity in the quality of baseball being played, it, the gap is growing. And there's gotta be a way that the league as a whole is looking at this and being like, all right. We should probably get our shit together here so people keep showing up to watch baseball. Yeah, they got to get it together. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you got anything else? Because I got, I got one last note I've been sitting on for a couple weeks. Bring it on. All right. So I actually need to make a correction as far as what I was saying. So basically, when I was talking about specifically Aaron Judge's uh, stats, the, well, I guess I said it's actually technically walks, but I, I believe I said balls batted. But basically, it uh, the BB is actually based on balls, which is basically walk, though. So I guess technically it's just more of a correction in what I'm saying, even though that's basically what I meant was you know that's that's the amount of walks that he was he was getting. So just wanted to say for clarification. If you ever see it, that's what I mean. The BB or whatever, based on balls, basically I'm, I'm meaning walks. So I just saw that the other day. I'm like, you know what? Let me just make sure I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just pulling stuff out of my ass. We're a semi, semi-professional semi podcast, so I want to make sure I get my stuff right. But yeah, so basically based on balls, basically it means walks. So all right, man. Well, I got nothing else, man. That's pretty all right, much Tony, it. I got no saved rounds. Very well. Episode 12 then in the books. Episode 13 coming up. Um, I don't know when. we got some stuff coming up. Obviously, this we'll see after this A's Ray series. And uh, yeah, we'll probably have some more stuff in the next week or so. So until then, I always appreciate you guys watching, listening. And we'll get episode 13 up to you guys pretty soon. So until then, stay tuned. <laughs>